verse in Isaiah that summarizes this whole message today. It's found in Isaiah 64, verse 8. And you might know this one very well. It says, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. And maybe some of you right now are, are starting to visualize what it is to do pottery. I've never made anything by pottery. I don't even want to attempt making something like that. Uh, I could, best thing I can make is maybe like a, a, a rock or something. <laughs> but our life is on the potter's wheel. And that whole statement, make me, is something we should ask God all the time. I want you to think about that thought as we go through the word today. Make me, okay? We're going to go back to Exodus, though. We're going to begin there. And we have this story in Exodus chapter 14, and you know it very well. God has delivered the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. And we find in Exodus 14 that God had parted the Red Sea. Uh, uh, Exodus 14, verse 21 says, Then Moses stretched his hand out over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into, say it with me, it made the sea into dry land. Now, just visualize that. That had to be a very strong wind. And God is able to do all things, amen? Because if you empty out Lake Michigan today, how many think Lake Michigan, you still would have a hard time walking across it? It's muddy. It's going to be full of all kinds of stuff, right? So the Bible says, I want you to understand, dry land. They crossed on dry land. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. So we have dry land. We have dry ground. They're crossing through on dry ground. And the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Dry ground. Why is that so important that they were on dry ground. One of the things I think about is God was showing us that as they went through their situation, as they went through what was holding them back, God brought them through the sea. Amen. And, he, and most of us would, would visualize us walking through a, a, a lake. I think of it, it would have been muddy, but it was dry, dry ground, dry land. And as they go through this, they come out the other side with nothing, with no residue, with no mud on their feet. He brought them through their situation with nothing from what they went through on their, on their life. It makes me think about those three, those three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those were not their, their Jewish names, but those were their given names. And you know the story. They, they go into uh, the king's court, King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and you know it very well. They're asked to do what? To bow to the image. And they refuse. And the part I love about that story is as, as they went, to, there's a lot that we love about that story. But as they go into the fiery furnace, the Bible says that not only was there another person in the fire with them, amen, that also that they came out without a, a hair singe and they didn't even have the smell of smoke. Aren't you thankful that you've been through some things in your life, God got you through some things, and the residue of that sin and the thing that you went through, God washed you clean. God says, I'm bringing you through this thing, and there's going to be nothing on you that, that represents your old life. 
I'm so thankful for God washing us clean. And so this shows us two, two illustrations they went through on dry ground. They didn't take anything with them that they were going through. And then in the furnace, they went through the furnace, these three young boys, and they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. So back to Exodus. The Bible says that they crossed the Red Sea. They, they had just started their time in the desert. They just begun. And, and they, they went in praising God, and they came through this whole story. They, they were released, but only three days after being set free, only three days, the Bible says that they started complaining. Three days. And so we see this story. They're, they're somewhere on the Sinai Peninsula. There's someone there, and they reached a place called Mara. This, this place called Mara, where there was the, the water was bitter. The word Mara means bitter uh, or, or murmuring. And the Bible says as they, they got to this place called Mara, that the water was bitter, that because the water was bitter, they could not drink it. And so what did they do? They complained. How I many know God was trying to make them a people? God was giving them a promise to go into a promised land, but in the midst of their journey, they found something to complain about. God is trying to sell, show them his provision. So here they are three days after all this, three days after they crossed the Red Sea, I should say, and now they're, they're at Mara. And Isaiah 10, 27 is where we're going to go, and it says this. It shall come to pass. Let's read this verse. It shall come to pass. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that things don't come to stay? It shall come to pass. Say that with it shall come to pass. I'm thankful that things don't come to stay. It shall come to pass that this burden will be taken from your shoulder and this his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the what? The anointing oil. All these stories, I'm showing you a picture today of different situations where God was trying to make people do things in their life. And, and our response to how God does things in our life is interesting. Sometimes God has to show us things. See, I, I'm a big believer that if you humble yourself, then God will exalt you to new levels. Amen? But if you exalt yourself, God will humble you. So we have to humble ourselves so for God to be exalted. And so we find... This story, he's saying this anointing oil, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Now, Isaiah chapter 9, this is a Christmas verse, and I'm not trying to get us to Christmas. I promise. I really enjoy, I'm enjoying summer. It's going by way too fast, to be honest with you. But this verse, some people think of it as, as a Christmas verse, Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to preach this thing in just a minute. I want to lay a little teaching first, a groundwork. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, okay, the government, not a religion, but a kingdom, the government will be upon his shoulder. Whose shoulder? Jesus, amen? The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, say it, wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7, of the increase of his government, his kingdom, the peace, there will be no end. How many know 
you cannot rule until you are ruled by something in a kingdom. There has to be rulership. You can't rule your environment, your home, until the Holy Spirit rules your life. And I think a lot of times people want to rule things. They want to be in charge of their life. But we have to have the anointing oil. We have to ask God to make me something. Amen. God, make me a better husband. I get an amen right here in this first row. Amen. <laughs> make me a better pastor. Make me a better friend. But if we say these things, but yet we lack to have the anointing in our life, amen, then we're not fully asking God what we really need. We need the anointing in our life. You cannot rule your environment until you first are ruled by the Holy Spirit. The increase of his government. So God expands his territory. And how many know, when God expands his territory in your life, what happens? Peace comes. God expands. So our prayer should be, God, expand your territory in my life. God, expand your, your reach in my life. God, expand the lives that I touch. Expand. You know, what I love today already, this just happened when we prayed for people. Several people up here, even for prayer time, said things like, God, I just want to be used. I, I just want God to, to use my life. I want God to, to help me touch other people's lives. How many know when we begin to ask God to make us that? Expand me. So if you're in a business, if you're on the workforce, you can say, God, expand my, my influence, expand your territory in my life. See, the more, the, more, how many, the more that God rules in your life, the more peace you'll experience. And I sense that there are a lot of people that are living their life without a lot of peace. And we, have a, we, we live in turbulent times, don't we? We live in turbulent times, but we, we serve the Prince of Peace. We serve the one who says, I will give you peace. Amen? But he, what has to happen for us to have peace in our life, we have to let God rule our life. We have to let God rule our Monday. Amen? Come on. We have to let God rule our Friday afternoon. We have to let God rule our evening, what we do. God, you have to expand your rulership in our life. We can ask God to make us something, but how many know we have to do our part to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow myself, amen, I'm going to put myself in a good position to make me, make me. In all these situations, we talked about the Israelites going through, going through the Red Sea and, and the three Jewish boys going through the fiery furnace and, and on and on. And, and in all these situations, God always made a way, but they had to make them, those three boys, they refused to bow. And so God made a way. All right, let's go to James chapter 1. This will be the last portion of Scripture I read, I think. I should ask John back there. John, I got you busy today. Thank you. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. My brethren, how many of this verse right here? Some people are probably reading like, really? Count it what? All joy when you fall into various trials. If you are an unbeliever, you might think this guy has lost his mind. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. Why count it joy? Because if you're in a trial and you lose your joy, you'll lose your strength. Because joy is connected to strength. Amen? The joy of the Lord is my so count it joy. 
count it all joy when you fall into trials, knowing, verse 3, knowing, knowing, right? When you're in a test, you better know something. I have to admit, there were a few times in, in junior high and high school when, when I went into that test. Come on, somebody. Anybody else do that? And you just weren't prepared. And you are just hoping your guessing was good that day. <laughs> or, or you just were praying, God, I pray that they'll, they'll, they'll grade on a curve. And it, let it not be my curve because we're all going to fail. Knowing when, you, when you're in a test, you better know something. See, a test doesn't teach you. But a test reveals what you know. You have to study before the test, amen? You have to, I, there were times maybe I would try to cram in five minutes before the test, you know. Yeah. And, and it, didn't, it didn't really work out very good. But a test reveals what you know. Anybody in this room ever gone through a test? Spiritual test. And you, you begin to reveal what you know when you go through the test, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many in this room say, God, make me more patient? Amen. God, make me more patient. Uh, but let the patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, come on, let him ask God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God, make me patient. If you are a parent in this room, you should be asking God to make you patient. Amen? If you drive on I-75 right now, you should be asking God to make you, come on, patient. We can ask all the time I have to ask God, God, make me patient. God, make me this, make me that. Create in me, create, make. See, a wise person knows that not everything will come quickly. Amen? It's talking about patience. Patient people know that sometimes good things have to develop. You know, a meal that is prepared very quickly is not always the best meal. Amen? I mean, I, every once in a while, I don't mind a good microwave dinner. But how many know there ain't nothing like when grandma's been cooking over the stove or grandpa's been cooking over the stove all day and they've been, they've been slaving in the kitchen and you come down for that big dinner. How many know there ain't nothing like a slow-cooked home meal? Some things take a while to, to cook. To, but something, we want a, a, a microwave Christianity. Amen. We want a microwave life. But sometimes God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build in you some patience. I'm going to do something in your life. But church, it's going to take some patience. God, make me rich. God says, well, I need, to, I need to show you how to start to give. Then I can bless you. Amen. Come on. God, make me this or make me that. Find me a best a, a soulmate. God says, first I need to make something in you. I, I need to create something in you. Amen. I need to, you need the anointing in your life. I see people all the time who fall into things far too quick. Do stuff far too quick. We need patience. But verse 6, but let him ask in what? Faith with no doubting, with no doubting, asking in faith. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow, that's a tough statement. Let not man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded man, unstable 
in all his ways. I think that's one of the most, that's, that's a hardcore, that's what I call a hardcore verse. Uh, that we, we have to ask God, make me to a person that's not double-minded. I, I, I need to decide this day whom I will serve. Amen? Today. Today is the day that we have to decide, make me. You know, when, when I think about Jesus, when Jesus was 30, 30 years old, you remember, he's, he's been running, helping run his father's business for all these years. He's 30 years old. Now, I don't really think of 30 as that old. It depends, though, your perspective. If you're, if you're 12, how many know 30 is old? <laughs> right? When, when I was a kid, if you are 30, you're getting old. Now, I'm almost 50. 30 is young. It's perspective, right? Harley probably thinks 75 is young. Amen. I'm a baby. But Jesus was 30, and we haven't heard a whole lot about him since he was 12. 12. And, and 12 is an interesting number, but at 30, and we'll talk about that maybe later, but when he comes at 30, he comes on the scene, right? We see him coming on the scene, and, and John the Baptist points him out. That's the one you've been waiting for. And, and he baptizes him. And the Bible says that a, a, a dove came and it, it descended on him and it falls on him in, in the form. And God, the Father, identifies his son, Jesus. Now let me do some teaching here. Jesus was not his name before he came to earth. What was his name in heaven? Word. Say that with me. His name was Word. Right? The Word. The Word came, and the Word became flesh. And when the Word became flesh, I've said this before, but Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man, flesh. Amen? He was not 50-50. And so now we have the Word comes. He's 30 years old, and the Word comes, and his name is Jesus. And he goes into the wilderness, and what happens? He's tested. Now, going back to the Israelites, what happened when they were tested at the, at the water of, of bitterness? What happened? They complained, didn't they? It revealed their, their character in that situation. How many know when things are good, it doesn't always reveal your character, but when you go through a test, you'll find out what people are really made of. When, when something negative happens, if, I, if I'm around somebody and, and, and they speak Christian language, you know Christian languages, right? It is a blessed day, my brother. God is so good. And then I'm with them on the softball field, and they start laying down 15 cuss words. I'm like, that just revealed who you really are. Come on, I'm just preaching this right now. I'm going to go buy my own CD if you don't, but I don't, because it's the truth. I found myself, and I knew that God was testing me, and I saw some flaws, and I had to instantly get on my knees and say, God, make me a better husband or a better father or a better pastor. Because a test reveals your character, amen? Reveals. But Jesus, who is perfect in every way, the only person who never sinned, Jesus is in the wilderness, and what happens, he's tested by the enemy after he fasted, and his response, remember, what's, what's his name before in heaven? He was what? Word. So the enemy's trying to tempt the word. So what does the word give the enemy? The word. <laughs> yeah. The word is powerful, church. 
Come on. When you are tested, there's nothing more powerful than saying the word of God. There's a lot of times, a lot of things I want to say. How many have ever been in a situation where when you just start quoting a scripture, you're like, I don't even know I memorized that, that scripture. We get the word in us. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written, 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 the word. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Not only was he speaking to the enemy, I think he's speaking to all of us. Him only shall you serve. Amen. The Bible says that when we endure temptation, though, James 1.12, it says God blesses those who, there's that word again, patiently, endure testing and temptation, patiently. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God, make me patient. Make me patient. How many know we need a lot of patience in the world that we're living in today? It's really easy to fall into the trap of complaining and murmuring like the Israelites did. These people, these, this, gen, this generation Z, how many know we can live a life full of complaining and murmuring? But we need to ask God, make me holy, make me patient. Make, yeah, make me holy, make me set apart. Make me, make me have, have a passion for these people. Make me, make me. I'm believing for a generation, the Joshua generation to rise up, amen? I, I, I'm, I'm speaking that in faith, hallelujah. Pray for me. I, I've been given a task by Open Bible to help rewrite open bible's kind of mission statement i'll be doing that in a few weeks with some leaders and we have a task of rewriting some of open bible's mission statement on how to reach gen z and all these millennials and because it's easy to complain but if you're a parent how many know sometimes you need some patience god make me the man of God. We need some men and women of God to rise up, amen, who say, God, make me who you want me to be. Make me. You see, there's, there's nothing more powerful or more wonderful, I believe, than seeing the favor of God on your life. I love when I see God's favor on someone's life. I love when I see God begin to bless somebody. I, I, there's nothing greater than somebody's testimony, amen. I, I, I'm so blessed by that. When I see God doing something in someone's life, some of you in this, in this room, many of you in this room, you've come to me like, praise God, God gave me a promotion at work. I want you to know I celebrate that, amen, with you. I celebrate when your business is flourishing. I celebrate when your marriage is good. I celebrate when you're doing good in school. I celebrate when, when you get some recognition at the job. I love when I see God's favor on his church's life, amen. And he blesses us and he makes us. But sometimes the question is, after he does these great things, do we remember what he did for us or do we quickly forget what God has done in our life? And sometimes I think as a nation we suffer from spiritual amnesia. God does something great and we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And quickly we forget. I remember, I remember just after 9-11, oh, my goodness, our church was packed. I saw people there I never thought I'd see in church, praying for our nation. I remember my youth ministry. We grew, I mean, we just had kids showing up. If you remember after the events of 9-11, it was pretty traumatic. 
Matter of fact, where we lived, we were right near the crash site of Flight 93. Just, just less than an hour away from our house was the crash. So it kind of was, it kind of was very close to where we lived. I'm like, this is it. Our church people, right? People were showing up out of the word work. And within a month or two, most of them were already gone. They forgot. God, would you make us a people who remember the great things that you've done in our life? Would you make us a people who are thankful? Amen. How many are thankful today for what God has done in your life? I just say, God, I thank you for getting me through that, that, that situation. I thank you for sparing my life in that car accident. I thank you for getting me out of that mess. I thank you for allowing me to go through something so that I could learn something. Amen. Sometimes we have to go through things to learn some things. It's tough. Uh, God's taught me some of the greatest lessons in my life when, when I went through some of the hardest seasons of my life. But I learned. I decided, that God, I need to learn. And I love when I see the favor of God on your life. I pray that all the time. God, would you bless our church people? Would you bring favor in their life? Would you bring family members back together? Would you bless their businesses? I mean, that, that's how I pray. God, I want to see my church full of, of a blessing and favor. I don't want to see people struggling. But if we are going through a test, church, I pray that our words would not be complaining and murmuring. That we say, God, make me patient. Make me, make me hungry. I want to be hungry. I love that the, our, our, the women's conference coming to our church, the theme is what? Deeper. Church, I want to go deeper. God, make me a deeper believer. Guess how we have to get And we can ask God, but we have to do our part. Amen. Come on, somebody. We can say, God, make me a deeper Christian. God's like, good. Read the word. <laughs> All right. I want to close with two quick thoughts for you to chew on this week. Two things. We'll close. We have a, a, an amazing meal being prepared, five-star five meal. Michelin, our Michelin dinner is being prepared, Michelin restaurant, spaghetti. Hallelujah. Number one, two quick things. Number one, raise the standard. Say that with me. Raise the standard. Raise the standard. I saw a video, it's been about a year now, of, of an underground church in, in China that... If this church in their area, that their life was really on the line. It was literally an underground church. Heather and I, we and, and a few others visited a church in Palestine. We were in West Bank, well, as most of you know, back in April. And, and so we, we decided we, we went to the only church, the only spirit-filled church in Palestine. The only one. To get to the church, no kidding, we had to go down some stairs, down a long hall, and I was like, where are they taking us? It was literally an underground church. They are not allowed to have their church on the same level as all the other businesses. They were forced to do their church underground. We walked down in that church, and I was amazed. They had a sanctuary about the size of ours underground, and it was beautiful, and these people were just worshiping. But their life was persecuted, if they would go out in the street and start saying that Jesus Christ is Lord, there would be some, some persecution. So I was watching this video of this church in China, and i got to be honest with you. Uh, um, my first instinct, things are like, man, their sound is really off. You ever been to a church and the sound system's not very good? How many know it's really easy to start complaining about things in church? Huh? 
I mean, there's times I'm like, you know, my office is too hot. We need air conditioning over there too. <laughs> we'll wait. But we can complain. Well, this church, their sound wasn't very good. Uh, um, you know, the matter of fact, the, the preacher wasn't real charismatic. It was just kind of like, a, you know, a straightforward word. And, um, but I want to tell you, the meeting was on fire. And, and I thought about it. The, the pastor wasn't sweating up a storm. You know, he had his own way. The worship team was good, but the sound was pretty bad. But the people were on fire for Jesus. It's amazing sometimes when we are put under persecution. Aren't you thankful? Sometimes you really begin to find that Jesus is who we all, that's all we need. We need the anointing. Come on, we need the anointing. I love all the great stuff. I love all what we do, but what we really need is the anointing of God in our services. We sang a song today for the first time here called This Is A Move, but before we said this is a move, it says we need a move. Come on, we need a move, amen? I need a move in my family. I need a move in my job. I need a move in my life. I need a move in every hour of my life. We need a move. This church in in China, what I saw is they were raising the standard. We come into God's house with expectation, amen? I come into God's house every Sunday saying, God, today somebody's going to get saved. I believe it. Or someone's going to get healed. Someone's going to get set free. Someone's going to be released in the ministry. I said, God, we come with an expectation. I expect God's favor to bless each and every one of you this week. How many want to receive that? Amen. God, I expect this week for, uh, for us to touch people's lives. Expect it. Last Friday, I had another opportunity to preach a, a, a sermon in Pakistan. I haven't gotten the numbers back yet. But I honestly, I, before I even preached, I was like, God, I'm expecting 200 people to be saved. That's literally what I prayed. And I haven't heard yet, but I know it's going to be there. It's going to be close. Because I said, God, I'm expecting. How many today said, God, I'm expecting something? I, I don't want to just come, but God, I want to raise the standard in my life. I want to give you my best. I want to raise whatever ministry you serve in or whatever you do for the Lord. Come on, raise the standard in what we do. So speaking of, of what people go through, there's, there's a thing that happens in North Korea. If you've never heard this before, this is troubling. It's very troubling. But there's been people, Christians and missionaries, who, who have been tortured in this part of the world. And one of the ways they torture them is they, they put them in a room. They fill up like a tank of water, like a little, I guess like a little pool. But they fill it up to right here. So they have to stand on their tippy toes for the water to go so they can breathe. And they will leave them in there for 24 hours. And why they do that, it says that they try to break them. They want them to renounce Christ. Sounds like those three boys, doesn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and this is happening now. And, and it's, Amer- it's funny because sometimes in America, how many know, sometimes we feel like that we have to advertise, we have to promote, we, we even have to plead with people to serve or to come to church. Right? I got to preach it over here, right back there. (laughs) I like it. We sometimes have to have everything done just a certain way, then I will praise God. But church, it is time to raise the standard, amen? That even if you and I are in prison right there with Paul, we're going to start singing a praise. 
Even if, even if the, the deal falls through, even if the credit, you don't get what you wanted, even if nothing goes the way you want it, God, I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you in this because, God, maybe you're testing me. Maybe you're trying to reveal something in me. But, God, I'm going to raise the standard in my life. Parents, raise the standard with your children. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? If we, it's time we have a generation of parents that raise the standard. And grandparents and, and adults, we know better. We need to raise the standard. All right, I said I'd make it short. Last one, number two. And this is what we've been preaching about today is make me. And I want you to think about your life to fill in that blank. Make me. It could be anything. Make me a better husband. Make me a better wife. Make me a better a worker. Make me a better friend. Make me, make me who you want me to be. God, make me, make me free from my, my shame. Amen. So just pray about that. I, wanna, I want you to think about that thought. Make me, you fill it in. You fill it in your life. You know, Luke chapter 15, and we can go ahead, guys. Luke chapter 15. Would you stand with me? I want to let you, I know you probably need to stretch your legs. Luke chapter 15 gives three stories, these parables about lost things, right? You know it very well. I actually preached on some of them before. We have the lost sheep, we have the lost coin, and then we have the one that most people probably know the most about is the, the prodigal son, the lost son. And when you think about that story about the prodigal son, what, what happened first? Remember? He was the younger one. He, he asked his father. He said what? Give me my inheritance. Give me. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different mindset when the first thing you ask the father is give me. So what happened? The father said, here you go. Take it away. And what did he do? Took off. I've seen people who God blesses their life. God gives them favor. It's amazing how sometimes quickly they go and do their own thing. The Bible says that he went into a far land and he lived wild living. He kind of lived a wild lifestyle. But that will only last so long. Amen. Give me what's mine. Give me. And he, I love this part. And I actually prayed for somebody today. That's why this came into my head. He said, Bring me to my sin. Remember, he got, it got so bad, he was working with pigs, and he started looking at their troughs and their food. He's like, man, I could, I could go for some of that pig food. I mean, that's pretty bad. If somebody gets to the place in sin, somebody gets to that place where you start doing things that are so out of character, that's that place where you better say, God, bring me back to my senses. Amen? God, there was a time in my life, and I remember actually one of my parents actually said it. They said, you're not the Pete Freeman that I know. And I realized that my life was wandering, drifting. And so that young boy, he comes back home and he said, he's, he comes back home. And well, remember, he came to his senses. He comes home and the father sees him from a far off distance. And he says, put a robe on him. And he embraced him. Aren't you thankful for a father in heaven who embraces us? But here's the key part. Do you remember what he said to his father after he came home? He said, make me like one of your servants. 
if I could just work for you. Father, if you just make me. How many know if he would have come to us, Father, at the beginning and before he ever said, give me, if he would have said, make me first, things would have gone a lot different in his life. So our question to God, sometimes we just say, God, would you give me this? God, would you give me that? And, and it's, it's good. It's okay to ask. But we should always be saying, God, would you make me who you want me to be? And then God says, yeah, I'll make you. And then I'll bless you. And then I'll give you. And I'll put favor on your life. God, would you make us who you want us to be? Father, would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? I know we prayed earlier, but I want to pray a corporate prayer. And I want you to fill in that blank, would you? Not only do we want to raise the standard in our life, how we live, how we talk, how we speak, asking God for things like patience, and I, I want to pray this word. I pray that you are an overcomer. I want to say you are an overcomer. Say, I am an overcomer. What do you need to overcome? And you start by saying, God, would you make me an overcomer? Make me. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the prayer time. But Lord, as we leave this place, as we have things to think about all week, make us who you want us to be. Make us your disciples. I think of Jesus. The disciples, they were disciples, but when Jesus ascended and went to heaven, what did they become? They became apostles. God, would you make us not only disciples, but make us apostles so that we can go into the world and reach people for Jesus Christ. Amen. God, Jesus taught them for three years. He made them something. God, would you make us who you want us to be? Make us. I pray over each person in this room, God, that your favor, your hand of blessing would be on their life, their marriages, their home, their places of employment. If they're students, if they're single, God, I pray that they would be the most on fire single person, the most on fire student in their schools and their places of, of, of work, wherever it is. Make us who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to close with prayer for our food. And I also want to pray for our students. Our students are going back to college and back to school. They don't want to hear Pastor Pete say that, but I'm going to pray that this is going to be a great year, right? Somebody like Sarah's like, please don't bring that up. But I mean, you have a teacher sitting behind you who's like, yep, school starts. <laughs> Would you join me in praying over our, our students, college, our teachers, our, our junior, our elementary students, all of our kids? How I many know we have a generation, they need our prayers, church. They need our prayers. And I believe that this is a great generation. God is making something in them that they're going to change their, their areas of influence. Father, now I pray for, first of all, let's pray for our teachers. God, I pray for our teachers. I pray for those Christian teachers who are in positions where, where maybe they're not allowed to speak what they really, really want to speak. But Lord, I pray that they, they would have this love of Jesus that would... It would just change people, just their actions, not even their words, but just the way they show Jesus' love. Lord, I pray for our teachers, God. Would you bless our teachers? Give them patience. Give them understanding. Give them favor, God. Lord, I pray for our college students and our, our high school, elementary, and junior high students as well, all of them, primary, God. 
Father, I pray as they go back to school, God, that they would go in, God, as, as a mission field. Father, we pray a hedge of protection around them, over their minds, over their thoughts. Father, I pray that, God, that they would see themselves, Lord God, they are there for a purpose, not only to be a great student, but, God, to, to raise the standard. Make them who you want them to be. When they're trying to find out who they are, I pray that they would seek you first, God, that you would make them who you want them to be. And, Lord, you have great plans over their life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Now, bless those who have to leave. Bless those who are able to stay. All of our lunches and things we do today, God, let it be blessed. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen.